0: This week on Talk Nation Radio, we'll discuss efforts to save the site of a Native American capital. Greg Workheiser is a founding partner of Cultural Heritage Partners. See culturalheritagepartners.com. He's an attorney and educator and is working on a campaign to save Rosawak, the site of the historic capital of the Monacan Indian Nation in what is now Virginia. You can sign a petition in support at diy.rootsaction.org. Rufus Elliott is also with us and is a Monacan tribal member, and he was the tribal administrator until late last year. He's been coordinating the Section 106 consultation, and we'll talk about what that is, for the tribe on the Rosawak, uh James River Water Authority project. Rufus Elliott was also the first Monacan to attend Virginia Tech, but I will not hold that against him. Uh, Greg Werkheiser and Rufus Elliott, welcome to Talk Nation Radio.
1: Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you
0: very much. Uh, so let's start with uh, what is Rasawik? Well, why is it something worth preserving?
2: Yeah, sure. So Rasawik was uh, the Monacan uh, historic capital. Um, it's, it would have been a uh, contemporary of Jamestown. Uh, it would have been the seat uh, to which all the other uh, towns and villages would have paid uh, tribute. It had been a very large uh, community in which uh, Monacan people. Uh, and their confederates would have lived and worshiped and governed and raised families. Uh, it's also where uh, large ceremonies would have taken place and, and where uh, some of those people uh, would have been buried. Um, it's been docu- documented numerous times over hundreds of years. Um, <clears throat> the Monacan people were uh, a large confederacy through the uh, from the fall line to the Richmond area west uh, in the state of Virginia. Um, and so for something that large, this for it to be the seat of the larger confederacy tribal government, uh, this would have been a very big and sophisticated uh, town. It would have uh, rivaled uh, the size of uh, towns um, across Europe at the time. Um, <clears throat> now, today, um, it has become a, a symbol of our past and, and um, a real focal point of our uh reclamation of our own history.
0: That was Rufus Elliott. Uh, Greg Werkeiser, uh, where, where exactly is Rasawik now, and, and what is there now if uh, if someone were to go and, and look for it?
1: Raswick is um, at a location that is also referred to as Point of Fork, and it is at the confluence of the James and Ravanna rivers out there uh, in um, uh, Fluvanna and around Louisa, County, so not far from uh, you all in the in the beautiful um, intellectual capital of Virginia in Charlottesville. Uh, but it uh, the other thing I'll say to add to uh, Rufus's uh, description is that if you go to Rasselwic today, what you'll see is um, no built structures. This is an archaeological site that we know because of past. Uh, research and investigations involve significant cultural and artifact remains, but also involves human remains. We know for a fact, because uh, the Smithsonian and others have documented uh, uncovered burials there in the past, that this is a place where um, many people uh, were buried. And so to the modern uh, Monacan people, this is a place that's not just a collection of artifacts in the dirt, but it is a, um, uh, a religious and a spiritual place where many of their ancestors uh, are buried. But if you look at it today, you can understand why people would live there. It is one of the most stunning natural environments in Virginia at the intersection of these two rivers. Uh, when sun sets there, it sets uh, over the point on most days of the year, and it's, uh, it's really a beautiful place. A place that would have been uh, strategic from a number of different perspectives, including its access to uh, to the
0: river. It, it's interesting that uh, that nothing uh, has been built there up until this time. Uh, what what is the what is the threat at this point?
1: The threat, unfortunately, is um, has come about because many times people these days are offered a false choice between modern development and preservation of culture and history. And unfortunately, that's what's happened here. Um, there is believed to be a need for additional access to water in Louisa and Fluviana counties to support uh, economic development. Uh, that is, they want to attract breweries and other industry out there, support golf courses, etc. And as a consequence their access to their current water levels are insufficient for that level of development. So they so they say, and we've got no reason to, to doubt that or their desire to grow. So the solution that they are proposing is to build a water pump station that would suck a lot of water out of the um, uh, out of the James, and as a consequence, um, be able to provide water to those additional. Uh, yet-to-arrive um, services. The problem is that they have determined that of all the places they could remove water from the river there, uh, the place they want to build it, and they is uh, the two county boards of supervisors and the entity they set up called the James River Water Authority, the place that they want to extract the water is uh, and where they would need to build the infrastructure and the pump station is right at the heart of what research suggests is, uh, is Rasawik, the historic capital of the Monacan nation. So we know that digging however many feet down they need and putting a uh, pipeline in is going to destroy uh, archaeological evidence and disrupt uh, human uh, burials. Uh there are a number of alternatives which we can talk a little bit about that um so far the James River Water Authority has considered and determined are um they believe to be more costly in terms of money. And as a consequence they are on a track now to suggest that not just the Monacan, but Virginians and all Americans who should care about Rasowick because it was such a um an interesting and vital place in Native American and American history that they should just suck it up and allow it to be destroyed because this is the preferred location of the water pump station.
0: Rufus, how many Monacan people are there uh, now, and what do, they, what do they think of this, and what are they doing about this? I mean, it, it seems like e- even the, the glorious natural uh, site that, that Greg described is not going to be quite so, so beautiful with an ugly pump station sitting there.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, <clears throat> so the, the important for people to understand is that the modern Monacan Indian Nation, uh, we were removed from that site, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Um, as Virginia developed, um, Indian people, as we all kind of generally understand, were removed from the areas in which they lived. And in this case, there's no difference where the Monica people were pushed west uh, from that site. Uh, In fact, they signed treaties uh, with the Crown in England uh, that would effectively remove them from that site and give them certain um, rights. Uh, So this predates Virginia uh, as a state. Um, And and it's important that people understand that we, in some ways, over time, uh, had our access to that area denied. Um, it was common practice in Virginia, for example, for Indian tribes to wear a tribal emblem uh, for the Monaco people. That was three arrows that showed that they were a peaceful tribe to the colony. And if they were caught off of their allotted areas and their allotted land at that time without uh, that emblem being shown that they were peaceful to the colony, they could be shot on sight. So it is a very, um, very important that people understand that there was a disconnect there at some time and so but it's also equally important for people to understand that we never forgot about the place uh and that it still holds a very special uh significance to us uh the tribe today is you know two thousand four hundred uh thereabouts enrolled tribal citizens um you know spread across uh the united states uh, most of which are in the uh, central virginia area um, Charlottesville, Amherst, Nelson County, Lynchburg, uh, Rockbridge, through those areas is where most of these people live today. Um, and, yes, the the area is beautiful. You can't visit the area uh, with an open mind and an open heart and not feel uh, the significance of the place. And I think, personally, that's part of the reason it hasn't been developed. Uh, I mean, you know, people for a couple hundred years now have been walking over this, uh, sacred land, without knowing what was under their feet, and they never developed it. And I think, in part, because you just, when you go, when you visit, you know, um, you may not, you know, <laughs> intuit exactly what you're standing on, but the the beauty of the place, the sacredness of the place, um, I think is is obvious. Um, and so, um, certainly, it would be greatly dis- diminished by any development. Um, and then, of course for us specifically, the Monica people, uh, the idea that you would um, overturn human remains, our direct ancestors. Um, The easiest way I can compare it for folks is, could you imagine a a scenario in which you would bulldoze and build a water pump station on top of historic Jamestown or Colonial Williamsburg, or any number of Civil War sites uh, throughout the South? Uh, You know, those things would be non-starters. In, in nearly every community, um, that those things reside. Uh, and we're just asking uh, for our sites and for our history to be treated with equal respect in, in that case.
0: Yeah, absolutely remarkable that, that it would be it would be sacrilege to, to do this on the site of a battlefield where people senselessly slaughtered each other. Uh, but... To do it on a historic site of a national capital of a people who lived uh relatively peacefully and sustainably on the land uh is apparently okay uh what what do, what do local people do we know what local people in the in the adjacent counties or in the state of virginia what, what is popular opinion uh Monacan or otherwise uh what do people uh think is the right approach here
1: yeah this is greg i um I've been in the business uh, of representing as a lawyer tribes for a couple of decades now and have been in a lot of ordinary fights over the the, um, purported conflict between development and um, preservation. I have never been in a fight where 100% of the people who show up at meetings, who write letters, uh, who... Um, submit comments to the federal agencies that are looking over the, the possibility of permitting this project. I've never been in a fight where 100% of those folks say the same thing. You know, usually it's more 50-50 uh, or 75-25. Um, there have been hundreds of letters written, uh, meetings where uh, the most re- – I'll give you an example – Recently, the James River Water Authority held a public meeting about this topic. They held it at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday at a private golf course with a security guard that you had to get to and pass this public meeting. There were no microphones, and the notice for the meeting went out maybe 48 hours in advance. And when you got to the site, it was actually not at the right address that was listed in the public meeting. Even then, a hundred members of the public managed to show up at that time, and 100% of the people who spoke said, this is absurd, this is ridiculous, this is not the kind of community we want to be, this is not the national reputation we want to earn in these counties. If we're going to be pro-business, and the, the tribe is not anti-business, the tribe is not anti-access to water, but the local folks, the townspeople, have said, if we're going to be pro-business, we don't want businesses coming here on the backs of Native American and American history. Um, so there is a, uh, be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to say, there is still an opportunity for your listeners to lend their voice uh, to this situation. We describe the many ways in which they can do that on our firm's website, so if you just Google Save rasawick it'll take you to a page that'll describe the ways in which people can express their opinions. But this is not just a Louisa and Fluvanna County or Charlottesville area uh, issue, nor is it just a Monacan tribal issue. The other tribes, federally recognized tribes in Virginia, have spoken up and said, not this site. Uh, tribes across the country have said it, national preservation organizations that don't uh, have anything to do with tribes have said this is absurd to build it here when you have at least a dozen other places that you can build it. Preservation Virginia, the Southern Environmental Law Center. So we have been very lucky. The tribe has been very fortunate that uh, that folks have raised their voices. But that's no guarantee uh, to prevent the destruction of the site. Uh, ultimately, The uh, two agencies that can influence this process are the Federal Army Corps of Engineers that has to issue a permit to the counties to be able to build at this site, and they are smack dab in the middle of the process of considering public comment on it. Uh, And secondly, the State Department of Historic Resources will also have to issue a burial permit. And the reason they're requesting a burial permit is because they want permission to dig up uh, ancestral remains of Native Americans, put them in a box, and hand them off to Rufus and his people. Um, so it really kind of brings it home as to what this is about. But that's a long answer to your short question, because, you know, uh, we lawyers, but uh, the, the the great news is that public sentiment is, seems to be kind of universally in, in favor of finding an, another way to get this water project done without sacrificing rest. We,
0: we're speaking with Greg Workheiser, whose website is at culturalheritagepartners.com, uh, and Rufus Elliott, who is a Monacan tribal member uh, about Rasoek, the capital of the Monacan Indian nation. Uh, so when you see stories in the local uh, media about this, there's not a lot of attention to what you just mentioned, Greg, that there are alternative Sites. Uh, why can't one of those alternative sites uh, be chosen uh, if this pump station is absolutely necessary?
1: Well, we believe that alternatives can be chosen, and in fact, the James River Water Authority itself identified twelve to fifteen different alternatives that it said that it is giving a serious look to. But the most recent development is that they have gone and said, we, we've looked at this closely, we still conclude that the best, least expensive place to build this pump station is on and destroying uh, Um There are a number of factors that go into determining the viability of an alternative. There's engineering considerations, there's environmental impacts, there's cultural and historic uh, impacts. One of the criticisms we have about the water authority's purported analysis of these alternatives is that they have not looked at the cultural impacts, whether they're greater or lesser, uh, on these other alternatives. They've sat at their desks, looked at the state records online, and sent no one out into the field to actually determine what those impacts would be. That's not the level of... Uh, analysis of alternatives that is required by the National Historic uh, Preservation Act. The other thing they're not considering, and I'll just be real with you here, is that it's not just the engineering costs that should be a factor in determining it. The tribe, my client, and other parties who are opposed to uh, where this is being proposed, will litigate this until our last breath. And so what, unfortunately, that means for the good citizens of uh, the counties surrounding the project is, it will be five or six years if they determine to try and build it there before any water is taken from the river, if at all. And the cost of litigation have to be factored in. Now we don't, litigation is never anybody's first preference, but um, we are doing everything we can to take a reasonable collaborative approach with the water authority and get them to try and look more seriously at alternatives. And the last thing I'll say, and invite Rufus to jump in here, is that of those 15 alternatives, we have identified one in particular that we are willing to work with the Water Authority to explore. It's called the Forsyth Alternative, or Alternative 1C, if you, if your folks, listen, listeners, get into the documents. But we think that has the least uh, likelihood of impacting human remains. We won't know until everybody goes out and takes a closer look at it. And I'm relatively optimistic that the Water Authority is coming around to this idea of collaborating with us to find an alternative. But, um, you know, it's not just like the tribe is saying, don't build it here. We don't care where you build it. We are willing, tribe is willing, to, um, to work with the Water Authority to find an alternative location.
0: R- Rufus, how long has this been going on? How did how did people first find out about it? Has it been a, a an inclusive and democratic uh process uh, along the way?
2: Um no, to be frank, I mean it is uh over the, you know, last uh I guess year and a half now, but the, some of the early stages uh, of this project uh also coincided with the tribe going from Uh, a state-recognized tribe into a federally recognized tribe. And without going off on a tangent on what all that means legally, um, a federally recognized tribe uh, has a seat at the table that the state-recognized tribe doesn't. And there's uh, legal requirements uh, for the federal agencies to to reach out to the tribe at that point. And and this project kind of straddles that time period um, for us. And so uh, early on, uh, no, and it certainly wasn't a open, honest, and collaborative discussion uh, early on. but I wanted to touch on something um, that you know Greg was just speaking on and and that's the idea of, of cost. And I think what you cannot put a a dollar figure on is what it cost a community to rebury their dead, to rebury their ancestors. Um, It's something that I've had uh, the responsibility uh, to be a part of twice in my community, where we repatriated uh, our ancestors that were um, removed from their burial places. Um, It is a serious and significant event for the community and for the tribe. Um, It lasts uh, for multiple days uh, at a significant cost to the tribe. Uh, We go through great pains to do it uh, in a way that is consistent, uh, with our own traditions and with the way uh, our ancestors would have been buried uh, the first time. And um, there is no—I sh- I have always struggled to describe for people what it is like to reach into a cardboard box and pull out um, the remains of people that you feel a direct relationship to uh and we're not talking about bits and pieces of unrecognizable stuff i mean we're talking in some cases um recognizable um skulls in some cases and and in some cases clearly children and and we have to take them out of those boxes and sort them to the best of our ability and wrap them and and so on and so forth uh, for multiple days um that is a great cost to the tribe and the community, not only uh, in the dollar amount, um, but just the, 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 the mental and emotional and spiritual toll that that takes on you. You do not go into that practice and come out the same person. And that is something that throughout this entire process has really been missing uh, in the conversation, as much as uh, we as Monica people try to... Uh, interject and make it a part of the conversation. It's been very difficult to make that a part of the conversation. I think in part because people are uncomfortable with it. It's hard to wrap your arms and your mind around. And I also think it is something that is in some ways unique to Native Americans, or to indigenous people across the world, that we have to deal with that in a way that other cultures and other people do not. And, um, you know, I... It, is, it needs to be a big part of the conversation. It needs to be something that um, I take very seriously in my role in this to remind people that's what ultimately we are talking about here. Um, this isn't a, 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 a financial transaction. There's no amount of money that changes hands that makes us okay with us because there is no amount of money that can pay for what it really does to our community to have to go through and rebury our own debt
0: you know rufus just uh here in charlottesville not far from rosweck uh the university of virginia has this enormous statue of george rogers clark uh, attacking men women and children native americans depicting genocide and put up around 100 years ago with speeches celebrating conquest and genocide uh and people say well it's 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 in the past this is sort of uh, prejudice is is long in the past it's just an old statue uh, but if it were if it were European Americans' remains uh, that were impacted here, uh, is there any question that the that the approach would look very different than than what it does?
2: I, I think you're spot on. Uh, you know, the, the conversations around um, historic statues are, are difficult and needed conversations. Um, I think we all should come to those conversations with open minds and open hearts, willing to hear both sides. But the reality is clear. There is different sets of rules for different people uh, when it comes to how we view history and what's important and what's not. And um for a long time, uh the Virginia Indian history has been um left out. And so then there is no doubt that after generations of denying the fact that we even exist Uh, that we don't have these issues now where um, Virginia Indian communities like the Monican in this situation uh, come forward and say, Hey, wait a second. We have an interest here. We have a history here and it catches people by surprise. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, but yeah. it does. It catches people by surprise. And and, and there's always a, <laughs> a, a, a amount of time there where everyone's trying to kind of wrap their mind around, Hey, there's other people, uh, with historic interest here, that are at the table and and have a voice, yeah. And, and so, yes, I mean, this it goes back to what we said earlier. Uh, if this was Jamestown, if this was Colonial Williamsburg, if this was uh Appomattox Civil War site, the conversation would be completely different.
0: We this is Greg. I'll yeah, just add a quick oops, and we've point got there. just we about should, one minute left, Greg. Go ahead. Okay. Um,
1: y- this site has
0: something that uh, a lot
1: of other Native sites don't have, which is an advantage when you're trying to get white people to pay attention. <laughs> okay? I'm just going to be cracked. Uh, a lot of Native sites are known to Native Americans, but not well-documented by traditional Europeans. And as a consequence, it's, it's very, very difficult under those circumstances to make the case to white people that they should be preserved. In this case, we are lucky. Uh, because the documentation by Europeans of Raswick goes back 400 years. In the early 1600s, infamous Captain John Smith himself drew the map that lets us know where Raswick was. And he did that based on conversations with indigenous folks at the time. In the 1880s, the Smithsonian came along and did an investigation. In the 1980s, there was a flood and burials were uncovered. This is among the best documented Native American sites um, uh, in the area, and as a consequence, we are seeing some success of being able to translate this to people beyond uh, Native communities. But I I, I would just uh, thank you again and urge your visitors to take a look at Save Rassowick, just Google it, and uh, if they're interested in helping out, there's a way to express your voice. You don't um, you can be just a regular citizen,
0: and uh, and the Army Corps will pay attention to that. Greg Werkheiser and Rufus Elliott, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. David, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org.